Thank you for listening to Haunted Texas and Beyond, brought to you by Austin Ghost Tours at austinghosttours.com and renegaderadio.net. Today, during this podcast, we're going to be talking with Alexandra White. Alexandra is not going to be telling us stories of Texas or even Austin, but we're going to be hearing some stories of ghost stories, um, intrigue from Washington, D.C. Alex, what is what is it that you do? Uh, so I am what's known as not only a tour guide, but a tour director. A tour guide will take you around one neighborhood or maybe even one city for a couple of hours, but a tour director will take you around one city or multiple cities for multiple days. And we'll handle everything from the hotel reservations to dinner reservations and uh, the itinerary that includes all the museums and things like that but we also do commentary just like a, a tour guide does and you so and where have you tour, been a tour director and where in the world um like, i've been a tour director all, all over this country uh and abroad so i do a lot of work in uh boston and new york city i've done work in uh, orlando down at walt disney world uh, all up and down the east coast of California, but most of the work that I do um, is in the Washington, D.C. Okay, so let me just say, we all kind of know that ancient Egyptians worshipped cats as gods. I mean, we sort of know this, and in other words, not just, they weren't just animals, but they were messengers with a special connection, the invisible, you know, powerful force around us. And um, Yeah, I know, it seems like... Uh, Whenever we have uh, our cats in our homes and they just freeze for a moment and they're looking off in the corner, you're wondering, are they, what are they looking at? Yeah. And so that's been happening for like all, all, and like virtually all ancient civilizations, the Inca civilization, the Greeks, the ancient Polish, especially in Northern Europe, the ancient, you know, the people of England and the Celtics from Ireland, even up into the 20th, 20th century, um, it was common to bury a dead cat in a house wall or under a roof or like between the chimney and the wall to ward off disease or spirits or fearful things. But it was also in a more positive note, just kind of to keep the camp, the family safe because um, pretty much it's just, again, like what you said, it's, it's a long held belief everywhere that cats can sense supernatural beings that humans can't. And so much of that was, in the folklore religion until um, pretty much the Catholic Church took over and they changed the cat concept to be like associated with witches um, to be more negative. Yeah, which is one of the reasons why we have the uh, the Black Plague later on um, is because after killing so many cats, uh, uh, rats ran rampant with fleas and People were infected. So the Black Plague can be directly linked to the fact that cats were being killed all over Europe. And it was a Catholic tradition to kill them at, at ceremonies. So that, and that was to kind of squash the local religions because of that was directly related to that. And um, I bring this up because one of the stories that you have, um, one of your favorite stories in Washington, D.C., is related to a cat. Can we hear that story? It is. Uh, so just a little further south of um, 
Washington, D.C. is a place called Alexandria, Virginia, which I think is just a beautiful name, Alexandria. I'm not <laughs> quite sure why that has a <laughs> But there's a, a little place called the Carlisle House. Um, now, Alexandria is a, it's a very old, old town. It uh, was started in the 1600s, and so it's, it's been around for quite a while. Um, it's seen a lot of things over the years. And even the streets there today, when you go, the main thoroughfare is called King Street. The main, uh, the other main streets are Prince and Princess. Uh, Princess Street even still has the cobblestones down it. And in the 1740s, Carlisle um, was a man that had come to America. Um, he was a merchant and decided to build himself a beautiful house just on the water near, uh, near the water in Alexandria. Um, and the, and over the years, the house had passed through many different hands and had seen many different things. Um, but uh, eventually, it was sold and became a museum. Um, in the 1970s, they were going to be doing some renovations when uh, someone fell through the wall and found a mummified cat sitting in the walls. Okay. Um, yeah, they were a little confused uh, as to what this was doing here, or even how old it was. So they sent off the cat for some testing. And while the cat was gone, there was a lot of weird things that just started happening. Um, a lot, For instance, uh, across the street, a lot of folks started complaining that they could see people uh, jumping out the window uh, of the second story floor and so they would call the police and say hey we think we just saw a suicide but once the police arrived you know there's nobody on the ground the windows are all locked up doesn't seem like the house has been disturbed at all wow um but that's not where the weirdness ended um oftentimes people who are working in the house they would comment on feeling eerie feeling weird feeling like there was someone maybe watching them sometimes they would complain of feeling things brush through their hair and I say, Oh, it's, it's probably just the cobwebs just, you know, hanging down from the ceiling and, and, you know, lightly brushing us, but it cleaned the place and no, no, uh, cobwebs. So, and then probably the weirdest of all, at the point where they realized something truly supernatural was going on was they started to see figures, full length shadows, um, in the home. Now, these shadows, they would look like people, but there would be something a little bit more off about them. Sometimes one limb would be shorter than the other. Um, for instance, they'd have one arm that seemed to be just completely lopped off, or maybe they would be just standing on one leg. And when you come to understand the history of the house itself, it makes sense. Because at one point, Carlisle House did serve as a hospital during the Civil War. It was at one of the biggest peaks of the Civil War sitting right next to Washington, D.C. And at that time, medicine yeah. is not very advanced enough to save people's limbs after they get hit with these huge bullets. So the best course of action is to simply amputate the limbs. And in some parts of the South, there are uh, hospital homes that had uh, piles high, waist high, shoulder high of just soldier's limbs ready to be burned um so and the emotional nice. trauma yeah it comes with a lot of of civil war soldiers they call it soldier's heart it's um it's it's a, an early form of what we now call ptsd 
And so as soon as they realized, okay, most of what's happening here must be related to the history, they started looking into it more that Carlisle had slaves on the property. He had enslaved people uh, who worked for him. Um, the house had also served as a tuberculosis home at one point where uh, people would come expecting themselves to essentially waste away of consumption. Finally, they get the remains of the cat back, and it turns out that the cat must have been placed purposefully in the walls when the house was built. Now, Carlisle himself, he, he had a he had a, a long history of of Celts in his family, and there is this Celtic tradition. Um, that in order to protect the home from, from evil spirits, you put a cat in the wall, and the spirit of the cat would protect the home. So eventually, they, piecing things together, they said, okay, yeah. maybe it's best to put the cat back in the walls itself. So, so they do this. They, they uh, eventually fix up the house the way they want it. They put the cat back in the wall, and everything almost instantaneously stops. There's wow. no more calls to the police about people being thrown from the window. There's no more hair pulling. There's no uh, figures standing at the end of the hall. But the neighbors did report that the very next night, they did happen to see a cat walking around the property, all around the perimeter, as if uh, as if they were guarding the place. That's and, a great story. Yeah. That's a story. So, you know, it, it, it makes you think. I mean, in the UK, when they do, it's super not uncommon when they're doing restorations or, you know, dealing with old buildings to find these mummified cats. That's a great story. But uh, so along that line, there's also a cat related story for the White House. There is. There's two cat stories. Oh. These uh these cats are they often get mixed up with one another, but they as far as as the research I've done shows that it, it is they're two separate stories. Now, probably the most famous ghost stories in with the White House uh, involve Abraham Lincoln, uh, but nobody really talks about what happens before his death. Um, we've had a number of presidents over the years who've been assassinated, uh, and at each individual assassination that was eventually successful, there were reports of people seeing a black cat wandering around the White House property. And it's not uncommon for them to to have different animals. We've had all kinds of animals across the White House property. We've had some alligators. We've had donkeys. We've had parrots. We've had all kinds of dogs. Um, in fact, in the current administration is the only one that's never had a pet on the uh, White House grounds. Um, we've had a pet uh, on the White House grounds since it was built. Um, but we've never really seen anyone who had a, a black cat before, um, at least not during these particular administrations. And this cat would be seen uh, wandering around just a few days before Abraham Lincoln. President Garfield, President McKinley, and finally President John F. Kennedy are all assassinated. Um, now there is a, another sort of tradition. The cat is seen before, like a few days before the assassinations, and it's reported for each one of those presidents who had were assassinated. Exactly. Wow. 
Okay. Yeah, we've had a number of other presidents who've been uh, attempted assassinations, but we've never seen a black cat for those attempted assassinations, just for the ones that were actually successful. And there is a, another tradition from the UK called the black dog. Uh, they have a couple of different names for it, but generally we call it the black dog. And, and oftentimes if you see this black dog within a few days, it is a sign of death that you will die. Um, but not necessarily a black cat. Although Americans, we are known for breaking some traditions and trying to change it so to fit our own standards. So maybe this is just a way that America tries to be a little different from uh, from our parents and cousins uh, overseas. Yeah, and also the black cat is um, not always like a bad omen. I in, it is also like. It was a long-time tradition in England to give a bride a black cat on her wedding day to, you know, for fertility. And in in those countries, black cats are considered good fortune. So there's... I don't know. Yeah, even the the Viking tradition is is that's uh, actually the Viking tradition as well. I think was passed down to the English um, that you would get a bride, uh, give a, a bride her cat because um, Freya, um, who is one of the the Norse goddesses, she actually was pulled by a period of cats. Cats were her symbol. Yeah. So, so there is this very supernatural element of cats, and so I think yeah. maybe perhaps. Unlike the black dog in England, who seems to uh, not only be the forbearer of of death, but seems to bring death with him, maybe the black cat for us is is simply a sign that they will have company as they as they pass over. Right. Yeah. And you know that's all you know conjectured. You know maybe you know there's to be many, many different reasons. Yeah. But but we do have another cat at the White House. <laughs> Uh, we've had so many different stories from the White House over the years, um, but this particular story comes from the Secret Service. And now, of course, the Secret Service, they have been around as long as, as Abraham Lincoln. In fact, Abraham Lincoln was the one who wanted to start the Secret Service. Um, unfortunately, it didn't really work out for him. But um, the, uh, the Secret Service are charged with protecting the president and the president's family, and they will continue to do this for the rest of the president and his family's life. So when Sasha and Malia are little old ladies with grandbabies of their own, they will continue to have secret service. Um, It's a very labor-intensive job. Um, There is a lot of standing around. There's a lot of stress, a lot of looking out. And and they're not just around the family. They're around the house. They're uh, hidden in plain clothes around the Lafayette Park, which is just north of the White House, um, where visitors come often to take pictures. They are everywhere. Um, so oftentimes this job can be a little stressful, to say the least. Yeah. Um, and at night times, sometimes these these secret services, they are serving the house at night, making sure everything's under lock and key. Um, there is occasion where a secret service will spot a cat. Again, you know, cats are not uncommon. They've been around for a while. But this cat seems to be a little bit different than all of the other cats they've ever seen in that it doesn't look so much like an animal as it does a shadow. And I'm talking pitch black shadow, like a simple void shadow. But 
in the middle of its face are these two burning red eyes. And I'm not talking like the reflection that eyes tend to get, uh, cat's eyes tend to get in the dark. I'm talking really burning red. And once it spots the Secret Service officer, it locks on. And it starts to prowl towards the Secret Service officer. And as it gets closer, it starts to get bigger and bigger and bigger until eventually it's almost the size of a tiger. And by now it's so close that they can not only see the eyes are burning red, they can see smoke coming out of these eyes. I mean, it's truly terrifying to see this huge animal. like It's ready to pounce on you. And then it does. And it jumps on the Secret Service officer. Uh, and the Secret Service officer will fall back and start trying to, to get this animal off them when they realize that there is no animal. There's nothing there. They're alone. And they'll go to their commanding office and they go, oh, my gosh, I just saw this crazy, crazy cat. It just, like, leapt on me. It was had these fiery, like, hellfire eyes. And, and I thought it was going to die. And, I, I, and now it's gone. And I don't know what. And they go, oh, you poor thing. You know, you've probably been working pretty hard lately. Why don't you take two weeks paid vacation? <laughs> and in there lies the question. So probably yeah. the story started somewhere from – from a real story, but <laughs> I don't know. But is, I, it, is it a real cat or are they trying to get a little <laughs> paid it, vacation? Um, no, that story probably originated from, I mean, that's kind of a far-fetched thing just to make yeah. up. Yeah. Uh, I mean, every everything starts somewhere. There is some truth to every legend, I think. And, and with this one, you know, it, it might have started off real and then had morphed into something that these these folks can um, can take away yeah. and 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 work to their advantage. And you know maybe I shouldn't be saying this, but Secret Service aren't really that great at their jobs. They were hungover <laughs> when Kennedy was assassinated. So it, well, uh, hopefully that's, a, that's a story for another time. Yeah, yeah, that's a story for. How do you know that story? Oh goodness, so. There's a lot of, of, you know, Kenny's assassination is one of the most famous U.S. assassinations we've ever had. And and there are a lot of things to suggest that it could have been prevented. You know, the Secret Service are notorious um, for going out and partying. And there was, you know, more recently with Obama's administration, they got caught picking up prostitutes and getting drugs while they were out of the country. Um Abraham Lincoln's assassination, he had a he had a bodyguard that night, but he had, you know, told him to go have a drink next door. Um, and and Kennedy's uh, Secret Service, they were charged with looking over the parade route before this assassination or this parade that was supposed to happen that turned into an assassination. They were supposed to inspect everything and they didn't. And um, unfortunately, we so lost we lost a very good man. Insight. Uh, into, you know, what a tour guide would know. <laughs> you know, if, if you a tour guide in Washington. Oh, we learned a lot of interesting yeah. things. Yeah, that's that's like one of those. This is why I love I love tour guides. I just think that they are the best. Um, yeah. So you yeah, we'll we'll find we'll find a lot of stories that I don't think a lot of people want 
to have told over and over and over again. But I think it's also it's also our duty to provide these these uh, little insights, these little details that you don't often hear. Of course, I would never tell this story in front of a Secret Service because yeah. again, they are <laughs> they are well trained people. But yes. uh, there there is a little bit of a of worry within the Secret Service. Um, but, you know, I mean, with that kind of job, you basically have to give up your entire life, you know, to be to be that. And so you do. It's it's a it's a hard, especially as far as the tour director goes, because at least with the tour guide, you get to stay in the home that you live in. And, you know, you leave for just a few hours to go do your tour. You still get to be home. But as a tour director, you, you have to leave a lot. And, and it's, it's always made me a little guilty because I, I had a cat of my own for, for 14 years. Um, I had a cat um, and when, I was turn, when I went into eighth grade, I got a cat named Binks. Um, and I had him for, for 14 years. And I never thought that I was going to be a tour guide or tour director. It, it wasn't something that I had planned to do, but I love doing but it took me away from him a lot. Yeah, and you traveled. Before this coronavirus yeah. situation, you were gone a lot. Yeah, and, and you know, who knows? Maybe I, I picked it up somewhere and I don't have the symptoms. But, you know, I I was hoping that with this whole coronavirus quarantine, I would be able to sort of make up for that and be home with my cat for a little bit. Um but just a few a few days before quarantine was issued and businesses were shut down, um, uh, I had to take my cat to the vet and he was very sick and I had to have him put down and it was very hard I to lose him. So. About that. so has your cat kind of visited you? Speaking of cats. In in a in a couple of ways. I <laughs> I have had a lot of dreams about him lately. So, um, you know, the the entire time I've had him for my whole life, um, you know, he, I, I let him wander wherever he wanted, which meant I always kept the bathroom door open. I kept my bedroom door open at night. I would even keep the, the bathroom door open because he just needed to be near me. You know how cats are. <laughs> they, they always want to be with you. They're just like kids. Um, so I always left those doors open for him to, to be able to come in, whether or not um, I was in a room. And uh, so for 14 years, I never closed the door. And after he died, I was like, well, I guess, I guess I can start closing my door now. You know, I have roommates. And so I, you know, I should want to have a little bit of my own privacy. But that night after I closed my door for the first time, I had a dream that I had woken up for the day and I went to the door and I opened it and he came running in and in the dream I was like this is this can't be happening you're you're gone like I I watched you I was there I told you while you were put down and he you know just came up to me and and was his little bratty self and and like why did you close the door on me I've been waiting outside all day for you and it was just really sweet to to see him again and and to be with him again that's interesting. And then I woke up. Sorry, go ahead. Well, yeah, well, then I just, I woke up and he wasn't there anymore. Now. Yeah, so that's interesting that the cat came to you and was just like, he closed the door because in 
from what we know, it's probably still just wandering around and just <laughs> you can't see it anymore. But that this has been really fun. Um, I, I thank you for being a guest on Haunted Texas and Beyond. Um, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll have you again because I know you're a wealth of information. Um, and we'll, we'll figure that out. But um, thank you so much. And we will be back again with Haunted Texas and Beyond next week. So thank you for listening. Yeah. And of course, uh, check us out on, on our virtual tours. Thank you for listening to Haunted Texas and Beyond podcast brought to you by Austin Ghost Tours and RenegadeRadio.net. Want to have your own ghostly experience? Sign up for a tour or a paranormal investigation at AustinGhostTours.com. Also check out more episodes on RenegadeRadio.net, our YouTube channel, and all your favorite podcast platforms, as well as all the extra content on RenegadeRadio.net. See you next time.